Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Baseball Podcast. We're coming to you live here from San Francisco, uh, where Carlos Correa has not signed with the Giants. <laughs> I like how we're not in San Francisco, but you used it just to get that joke. <laughs> yeah, dude, listen, whatever gets it across, you know. Giant. Listen, we're, we're here at a city that has a Carlos Correa and Aaron Judge shaped hole in it right now. At Arson. Arson, you're right. I'm sorry. And to their credit, they have attempted to fill it with Michael Conforto. No word on the man's physical. And Mitch Hanniger <laughs> and Ross Stripling and Sean Manaya and spare parts. Well, right. Mitch Hanniger is good, but spare yeah, parts. Yeah, I was going to say I like Mitch Hanniger for that. Yeah, one. Mitch Hanniger. Mitch Hanniger. But he's not Aaron Judge is the point we're getting. Right. Well, I mean, for for me, Mitch Hanniger has already played in like one of those next to the water, just absolute like graveyards for hitting. Because Safeco is a lot like whatever uh, the Giants stadium is called now. Park. What was it? T-Mobile Park. Look, I don't remember all their new names now i'm re- i lose track of that very quickly the mariner stadium is very similar in like conditions and like suppressing homers to the giant stadium so i think that hanniger will be fine there um conforto is probably more of a is the guy going to be healthy thing because that has kind of traditionally been well, his issue like, and he's had like two years off is he going to be the same right but... i like the carlos correa they do his physical and like had an injury eight years ago we're worried and then michael conforto is hurt all the time and they're like come on down buddy (laughs) right 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 well and the weird thing like there's no i've heard a lot of theories about this and there's no good way to really spin this if you're the giants because people were like maybe zaidi doesn't like management's you know like tactics here and so he scuttled the deal which is like what self-respecting gm would do that you just be out of a job but then what the hell <laughs> ship got cold feet and pulled out of the deal but then it's like what free agent would ever want to come to your team if you do that so it's like the only real explanation that i'm buying is just for whatever reason they just weren't comfortable with his physical because not that he has a problem now but they think it'll cause problems down the line but that's one of those like this wasn't a like like everybody knew that he had this injury. It wasn't like a secret. I mean, obviously it's different once you get in there and look, but like if you thought there might be questions, why would you go forward with this mega deal being like, Oh, it's scuttled by the physical, you know, it's just a, it's a really bad look if you're the giants. And especially after striking out an Aaron judge, so right. spectacularly it's just man what a brutal offseason for giants fans yeah and especially i mean you're in the nl west you're, you're looking at i don't know what the either the best or the second best division in the game right now because i think that the nl east is probably the other contender and then i know the al east is like generally in that discussion but right. i think the nl east is what what i would pick for the best division in the game right now as the things stand because the mets the, i have i referred to them on twitter the other day as the tax and spend mets <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i just want to say steve i know a lot of people have been saying this but steve cohen is the best thing that has happened to baseball if not ever at least in the past like 50 years since free agency started because we can talk about players impacts on the game and rule changes commissioners stuff but here's what it comes down to 
all like the figures and the numbers and the money and everything that you're given is kind of arbitrary. Any team can afford any player. And it's just whether or not the, you know, the Cleveland or the A's or the Pirates want to afford them, which obviously they don't. Right. I mean, yeah. They, they have chosen the way of not doing that. Right. They've chosen the way of not, <laughs> but they can afford players if they want to. But like no team is poor. There's no such thing right. as small like a team. And there are teams like the Phillies and the Dodgers and the Yankees, which have been okay spending money. And then there's the Mets who, who, I'm I'm very grateful to be a Phillies fan. They spend over the luxury tax. They brought in a lot of guys. The Mets make the Phillies look like chumps because they're making everybody look like chumps. Right. Cohen's worth billions and billions of dollars, and he's spending it, man. Like, that's – I was listening to John Boy's podcast the other day, and they were talking about it. Baseball owners shouldn't be treating it as their business. They should be treating it as something to, like, bring people joy. You know, and I understand you don't want right. to be merging money off of it, but, like – it shouldn't be, you know, these owners who are like, oh, we only are going to spend what we make. It should be, I'm Steve Cohen. I have like $20 billion. I'm okay right. losing 100 million on my Mets payroll because I want the Mets to win. Like, that's the kind of owners that MLB should be trying to get. And really every league. But, you know, right. it's about money and Rob Manfred's a stooge. And that's, you know, it's not always going to be that right, way. Yeah. Right now, I hate the Mets. I hate Justin Verlander. I hate kind of Scherzer. Yeah, I hate Carlos Correa. I'm really glad that all this is happening because it's good for baseball. And the more right. that, and the more the Mets do this, the more other teams are gonna have to step up. You know? So I'm dude, I'm just so well, I mean the the Mets are only doing this because like the Dodgers kind of well, the Yankees really started it, but then the Dodgers started to spend loads of cash and then the Padres were like, Okay, well, if we wanna ever win this division, we're gonna have to start shoveling money yeah. at players. And then, uh, yeah, I saw actually just... the Phillies probably kind of started before the Padres did, but the and the Mets are they're kind of the newest kid on the spending an absolute fortune on their team block, and they are they're making a statement because they I, I they saw... have the highest payroll in baseball by like kind of a lot now, right? Like a hundred million dollars. I saw a thing <laughs> after because you know they like once you go over a certain threshold in the luxury tax, uh, you know you owe a certain amount of money on every, any overage. I don't really know exactly how it works. But I saw a right. thing that it's said, complicated. Right, complicated, and I don't like math. But I saw a thing that said like once it's all factored in, like and and the luxury tax penalty that they're gonna have to pay is added onto their payroll, it's gonna be like close to, if not exceeding, five hundred million dollars. Like that's insane. That's double what any other team is spending. And like, how many other teams' payrolls could fit into that? You know what I mean? Like, well, probably- if we start at the bottom, I mean, you got the Pirates hey. and the A's who have like twenty million dollar payrolls, right? And the Guardians and those guys who like don't want to spend any money. Like, it's man, it's nuts. And 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 the thing I love is I saw an interview with the the Padres owner, and somebody asked him about extending Juan Soto, and oh, that's gonna be a big expense, and I get to shed salary. And he said something. I don't have it in front of me, but he said something to the effect of. You can't take it with you when you die. So I like spending money. And I was like, man, this is so good for baseball. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I love it, man. I'm so happy. I hate the yeah. Mets. And I know Steve Cohen has had problems in his other business ventures and his personal life. And But I, I don't know anything about that. Ba- Steve Cohen is the biggest baseball hero in my book. I don't know anything yeah. about guy, But in baseball, he's my favorite person in the world. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, we we do need something to kind of kickstart an era of owners slash GMs who actually care about, you know, baseball and not just their bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would Which be, it would there be are very few of those. I think one of the great things about Dombrowski for the Phillies is he really seems to be gifted at getting his teams to open the paper or the, the checkbook a little bit. Yeah. Cause uh, the Phillies, 
the Phillies had been big spenders at times in the past, like in like 2011, 2012, they had one of the higher payrolls, but like, they're not a team with a reputation for like just throwing money out the door. Like, you know, just shoveling it into the furnace, <laughs> right. like the Yankees and like the Dodgers have kind of become that team. But like when Dombrowski came in, you know, they basically were like, listen, you know, the players that we want, who we think are going to make this team good, like we're willing to spend the money on them. And it's like, it's always a little hard to sit there and watch like a billionaire be like, yeah, we're not going to be able to afford it. Yeah. So yeah. it is good that they're, you know, they're starting to pull the trigger on that a little more. Now, good it's luck fair. talking some of these teams that we've been leaning on a lot. And I think the one that we're willing to give a pass, we've talked about this, not on the podcast, but, you know, just in general, uh, the Rays and maybe to a lesser extent, the Marlins. Although I think the Marlins spend more than the Rays do, but like these are teams that are in a state that, that struggles to have any sort of native fan base. Uh, St. Petersburg is like not a very big city. Their stadium's a mess. It's one of those things where like I think the Rays are contributing to their own problem because they have more money to spend than they can. But right. so like I think there absolutely could could be changes made. But on the other hand they aren't the Yankees and they aren't the Mets. Like, you know, they might not be able to float in those same waters, but it does come down to the same thing of no team is poor. And especially with revenue sharing, like every Mm -hmm. has money to spend, but instead, you know, right. Yeah. Everybody's getting a cut of that sweet Mets. Just, (laughs) just absolute, just money pit. Right. Right. You know, like the, the Mets, if they don't win a hundred games this year, like, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a disappointment if you're a Mets fan. Dude, and and you know what it is too. And I wrote an article about this before this past Philly season. You know when they still hadn't made the playoffs for a million years. I wrote an article about this, and it was called "Today I'm Grateful for the Phillies." And basically, my whole thing was the Phillies have been a disaster for like ten years, and it still could be a disaster, right? Schwarber and Cassianos and all those guys could fall on their face, and Cassianos did. But it was right. basically like yeah, the season true. could fall apart. They could win sixty games, and I'd still be grateful because ownership opened up their pocketbook, and they spent and they tried to win, and obviously it worked out well, and they went to the World Series. But I think that's how, like the tactic you got to take as a Mets fan. Like, the, dude, the Mets are the Mets, and they messed it up last year. But like, <laughs> obviously they look like a much better team right now, and so they're super exciting. Everything. But if the Mets go out there and they get smoked again, and they you know they miss the playoffs, they get knocked on the first round. Right. Be mad. You might be disappointed, and you absolutely should be because it's baseball, and that's what you do. But you can't blame the Mets for not trying, and that's the yeah, most true. important thing as a fan. Like things aren't always going to go your way. You know, some sometimes you don't get the breaks. But did your team try their hardest? I think the Phillies did. The Mets did. The Yankees begrudgingly did this past offseason. Yeah. The Dodgers usually do. Like The Braves do, to their credit. The Braves are a little weird. They didn't want to pay Freeman, but, yeah, they lock up all these. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. if you're a Braves fan, you don't have any complaints. Yeah, but... the thing with the Braves is, like, yeah, they don't want to spend, like, stupid money, but they kind of get around that by, you know, they lock up, like, the, their young, good players, like, maybe even a little earlier than they should like some of them like if acuna plays every year like he did last year that you know that wouldn't be as good of a contract as it could be right but like you know like they bring a guy up and if he has any success at the major league level they're like lock him up now yeah 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 yeah. which is different than what a team like the pirates does where the pirates get that guy and they flip him. Yeah, and then they either trade him or he just walks in free agency because they're like, oh, dude, you know, yeah, we had Andrew McCutcheon, but, you know, we couldn't afford to keep him. It's like, 
cool dude yeah you're really making your fan base love yeah. you yeah it, it, it's such a bummer man and they're mm-hmm. like the brewers who like the brewers were pretty good they kind of disappointed last year but the a couple of years before that they did pretty well and they've got like so much pitching and they've got some stars on their team and everything and what do they do this past off season they made a great trade for william Contreras that mm-hmm. fell in the lap but other than that like they shed payroll like they traded renfro and they traded right. and they brought in jesse winker like no i do want to i do want to make an edit to your statement because that wasn't a trade they called him up from triple a uh oakland which he wasn't on oakland but oh, <laughs> yeah let, let's be real everybody in that trade who wasn't oakland got off real easy <laughs> Well, they yeah, the Braves, they just went to their AAA Oakland A's franchise. Yeah. And, and they like last year they brought up Matt Olson and this year they brought up uh Sean, Sean Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. And and the A's take spare well, Shay Langoliers look at these mean good. But like the yeah. A's take spare parts and the Braves get superstars, and that's that's the way it works. Yeah. yeah I want to say, by the way, I was listening to Philly's podcast. I won't mention who because I don't want to make enemies, but I was listening <laughs> to a podcast and they were talking about Sean Murphy, and the one guy was like, you know, I gotta be honest. Sean Murphy doesn't scare me. And I understand that because he's a much better fielder than he is a hitter. He's a good hitter, but not amazing. Like I understand being like, Oh, he's a little overhyped. He doesn't make the Braves that scary to me. But then the other guy goes, yeah, Sean Murphy's not good. And I was like, take it easy. All right. Yeah, oh, whoa, take it easy, chief. Like, the Braves improved with that deal. All right. Let's not act like Sean Murphy. Yeah. He's, he's a good player. I get saying he doesn't scare you. Cause like the kind of player who scares you is like, if the Mets sign Aaron judge, that's terrifying. Or if the Mets sign Carlos Correa and Justin Verlander and Kodai Tsenga and yeah. Nimo again and all the rest of their guys. Yeah, this is a team that won 100 games this year. <laughs> right. Now, in fairness, they lost a lot of guys. They lost to Grom. Mm-hmm. Lost, I don't know. They lost other people. I can't remember who. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm sure they lost some people, you know, here and there. We don't know who they are. Here on the baseball podcast, we don't worry about the details no, like do, that. You can tweet at us at the baseball pod too. Right. Right. Know. You can also follow us individually. Um, one of my missions as a as a podcaster now, uh, and just general baseball fan, and I've talked to you about this. One of my missions is I've been really trying to convert my Twitter feed from just me posting like my Elden Ring highlights. To, I'm trying to turn it into just this solid wall of baseball-related sarcasm. I like it. I think I've done okay so far. You know, I I do a lot of retweeting of things that I think are, you know... To put it lightly, I would call them poorly thought out. Such as, <laughs> uh, I think it was the account Drunk Phil's fan. Being like, yeah, dude, the Phillies should sign Eric Hosmer. It's like, yeah, because what we need is just a first baseman who's terrible. You yeah, know? I think exactly what you said was a, a first baseman with a 77 OPS plus is exactly what this lineup needs. Yeah, it's like, dude, we, you know, dude, we can just call that guy up from the minors. You know, so they have Derek Hall, who's just better and yeah, free. Yeah, and it's and like part of his case, and admittedly, Eric Hosmer's defense is misunderstood get people who are into like analytics can kind of look at it and they will see like yeah analytics hates eric hosmer's defense and i think the he started to kind of not pass the eye test either but like when he was on the royals especially like he was considered like a really good defensive first baseman i mean he won what four gold gloves but he never passed like the analytics test and it's not really that hard 
to be like a decent defender at first base. So it's kind of like uh, Hoskins has proved that uh, sentence wrong. Well, then it's not that hard. That is not that hard. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be hard for people to not be able to do it. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, um, I mean, and like the difference is that you know, Eric Hosmer's not really that good of a hitter anymore. Reese Hoskins, for as much as Phillies fans trashed him, like during the World Series, justifiably and it, so when he was, yeah, in the World Series he really didn't do anything. In the wild card games, didn't do anything. In the um, NLCS, though, he showed up. Yeah, like dude, it was a game four of the NLCS where he hit two two run homers. Dude, I still think he should have been the NLCS MVP. I know Harper had the iconic moment of that series, and he, he did handedly sent them to the World Series. But dude, Reese Hoskins was unbelievable in the NLCS. Well, and he like, like all of his home runs were like really consequential in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, actually, that's not true. He hit the one off. Uh, who started game two for the Padres? Um, Snell, I think. He might, he probably did hit it off Snell. He hit it like when the game was like pretty much already over. It was like, like nine that. to two or whatever, and he hit a solo homer. But other yeah. than that, like the homer off Spencer was like the most, not, I mean, it's never going to be the most iconic part of a run that has that Harper homer in it, but like the bat spike, Dude, incredible. incredible, incredible. Um, two in the final game of the NLCS, and then he went yard again in the World Series. Yeah, Reese Hoskins, he's he's a complicated man. Yeah, the the <laughs> two homers that he hit in the uh, was it game three of the NLCS or was it game it was game four, right? Maybe I don't remember the, the game where the Padres scored four before the Phillies even batted. Yeah. Uh, Ho- Hoskins hitting a two run homer with no outs after that four run top of the first huge yeah that was awesome because you have to you have to take back some of the momentum there like i know momentum's a little bit of like a wispy kind of thing that doesn't really exist but like especially with a fan base that's as intimidating as philadelphia can be like you can't have it just be like okay well now the stadium's quiet and everybody leaves early yeah so taking back that sort of like you know yeah listen we're coming back it's not four nothing it's four to two which is a lot more manageable right and later uh Soto hit a two-run homer and it was kind of like uh-oh they they just tied it and then Hoskins comes out and hits another two-run homer and you're like yes I can feel it I know this is going to be good and like yeah Harper deserves really if I mean you can do co-MVPs right because they had a real co-MVP case yeah that happened but I, I don't think they like to do it and and for no him. but yeah, I let's mean, be let's be real. We're not here to talk Reese Hoskins, and we're not here to talk current Phillies. You know who we're here to talk about? Future Philly. Future Philly star. Yeah. Real Craig real. Kimbrell. How dare you? How dare <laughs> you? How dare you? We're here to no, talk. No, no, no. We're here to talk here a to different talk. future Philly star. We're here to talk about Philly's 2022 third round pick, Gabriel Rincones Jr., who's been nice enough to lend us his time and He's a super nice guy, and um, he's going to be a star. So let's let's right. finish up this intro, and let's just send it over to Gabriel. Yeah, let's bring him on. We brought we. You know what? We're here to talk about him, and we're here to talk to him. Yeah, so we're here to talk with him. So I hope you guys enjoy our interview with Gabriel. 
Welcome to the baseball podcast. We're here with 2022 third round draft pick Gabriel Rincones. Gabriel, thank you for coming on the show, man. This is this is super cool. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So, Gabriel, um, before we uh, get get too deep into things, uh, who are you? You know, where'd you come from, and uh, what do you do? <laughs> I'm uh, a baseball player for the Phillies. Um, grew up in. Uh, Venezuela and Scotland, but I was born in Boynton Beach, Florida. Um, learned to speak English in Scotland. Obviously, can't tell right now, but um, <laughs> after I was done um, with my time in Scotland from primary school till the first year of high school, um, came to America, wanted to play baseball, uh, learned to speak like everybody else. Um, kind of did it out of my own idea, but um, I mean, ever since I've been trying to keep up with everybody my age playing baseball since I didn't play baseball um, competitively. I don't want to say I didn't because obviously I played in Edinburgh mm-hmm. um, with uh, that league with the Edinburgh Cannons and the uh, Glasgow Comets, I think. Okay. But obviously not organized, you know, live pitching my age. So everybody here was getting the reps. Um, obviously, I uh, went to play in high school and then two years junior college and one year at FAU last year, and then draft this year. Right now, now we're off to the pros. <laughs> so where did all the moving around come from? You said you're born in Florida, you moved to Scotland, then to Venezuela, back to the U.S. to train. Why did all that happen? Huh. So my parents had me when, out when they were here. Uh, was born well, at one year old. I moved to Venezuela because they're all Venezuelans. Uh, my dad got a job with um i don't know who it was but i know it's the oil rig industry he's a um offshore safety advisor so obviously where the uh toxic gas comes up with the oil he uh provides the breathing apparatus you know all that good stuff okay. um, so that moved us out to scotland where he works th- three weeks off three weeks off in the north sea mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> And so, I remember, uh, as six years there, and my, my parents obviously took the um, the sacrifice to send me over here without you know their presence. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, as a parent, I, now I understand why you know my mom was crying as she like sent me away. Right. But at the time, I was trying to hold back my you know my laughter, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just because I didn't understand, like. Uh, I'm just going to go, I'm going to see you again, but go, go do this right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I did a little reading, you know, I Googled Gabriel Rincones Jr. See what, see what comes up. One thing I did see is your dad was also a professional baseball player, like briefly, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, and he was a pitcher is my understanding. he, He got hurt with the same, um, I don't know if it was the same because he never got diagnosed, but the reason why he he stopped playing is because his shoulder, I guess he blew it out or something. He got hurt and he didn't mm-hmm. like tell anybody about it because he didn't want to at the time. If you were hurt, you get cut or whatever it was internationally, guys. If you don't play, mm-hmm. I'll see ya. Yeah, um, right. he was twenty. He was twenty years old. So um, that. Oh, we lost him. Uh-oh. Oh no! <laughs> no. No, uh, we got your <laughs> dad pitched for the Mariners system in uh for a year or two, right? Yeah, um, he put up good numbers too. He, I mean, 
he threw 95 back in the day. It was you know, pretty right. hard. Yeah, kids nowadays throwing 100 plus. Yeah, right. Obviously. Yeah, now if you throw 95, it's like okay, well, we'll 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 give you a we'll, shot. Yeah, yeah we'll think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, people but, probably throw 95 in like college now. Not 95 as a 16 year old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you ever go up against? Did you ever go up against 100 in college? Uh, 98. No, All right. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you do? What did you? Uh, double and a homer, but. Uh, All right. Well, Other than that, though, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, I yeah, faced the guy only... through ninety four, and I fouled them all off. So you know. There you go. It only takes one swing. Yeah, uh, really. <laughs> maybe if you're actually good. All right. Um. So you're uh, you come from as much of a baseball family as could as probably existed at the time in Scotland, right? Um. Yeah. So you you mentioned you played in like a like a Sunday league kind of thing in Scotland. Um, now I assume that that wasn't you know the sort of talent level that you were looking for once it became clear that you know that you you have maybe what it takes to go pro. Maybe you know you you need to be in a little bit more than a Sunday league, right? Well, see now it's more organized than it was back then because mm-hmm. when I was there, like kids my age didn't even know like my my friends would be like oh isn't that the sport playing the movies like they'll never play that here right and the economy is like all right well uh, i'd play with the older guys because like his my age just didn't know about the sport but now it's a lot more they're more involved and people want to play they're, it's more organized mm-hmm. uh, but i mean that's not to say that i was good like just right. because you know you start playing ping pong you know a year lit like earlier than a kid that has never played ping pong doesn't mean that you're good at ping pong you know right right because i came here in the first few years of high school i got cut you know good old uh, coach dennis braun at plant uh, and i would have cut myself too but the problem is like i it was not a problem it's actually what made me you know make the team and get to right. where i am now is that i was mad at myself because i wasn't good enough Mm-hmm. you know at the time but i knew that i could get to wherever i wanted to be but the problem is that right. no one no one under like no one believes that until you do it so right. in my head i was like i just gotta prove it and then people will see that i'm right you know right yeah. well see it seems like that is what happened you know with the benefit of hindsight um, yeah well that, that'll never go away right. because you know as soon as you achieve one thing obviously the world's not going to end once you achieve it. There's going to be something else. Mm. And yeah. unless you get satisfied, you're going to be, you win MVP, you're going to want to win a World Series. You win a World right. Series, you're going to want to be the MVP of the World Series. You know what that reminds me of? When Rob Thompson took over as manager of the Phillies, he said, you know, we're, we're below 500, right? We're behind the Mets and the Braves. We're going to win one game, and then we're going to win five, and then we're going to win 10, and then we're going to keep going until we win the, like, win the World Series. And he almost did it, you know. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's a, that's a good mindset instead of trying to do everything all at once, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do want to ask you about Scotland. Well, not really about Scotland. Now that I think about it, mm-hmm. when, when did you decide that you have to move move away, basically, to get the kind of training and competition that you need? Yeah, I wasn't the one that decided. I was simply my parents would ask me what I wanted to be growing up, like once I once I would get there, and I would say baseball player. So. They kind of um, – I never understood. I just was given the opportunity. I took it. I was like, yeah, please send me. I want to go. Because mm-hmm. I was always asked – I would always ask them, remember, 
like, hey, can you send me over to play baseball? Like, when can I play baseball? Can I go back and play baseball for a year? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were like, all right, well, you want to play baseball? We'll send you over to Venezuela for one year before we decide whether or not you're mature enough and you can deal with everything without us. Like, you can cope with everything it takes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, they sent me over one year in Venezuela. Um, and then, because I had six years without playing, so I'd go there before I went to the U.S. Right. And went to, when I showed that I could do it, they sent me over to the U.S. But it was really their decision. Um, at not a, Never at one point was I the one that made the decision. Mm-hmm. I just, like, told them that I wanted to do it. Okay. So they had your back on the you, – you said you wanted to be a baseball player, and they said, well, then let's make you a baseball player. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. so cool. So do you think that that had a big impact on, you know, your journey and your growth, not only as a baseball player, but as a person, all the moving around, all the readjusting. And, and I would assume there's some adversity to be faced in that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, you say you're a pirate on a ship, right? You want to take over an Island and you know, the best way to take over the Island is to burn the boats, you know? Yeah, but, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. You got to go full Hernan Cortez. <laughs> I, rem- <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, crying in my room because I got cut. And I was in the I was in the country because I wanted to play baseball and become a baseball player, but I can't mm-hmm. make the the varsity. I can't make the JV team my freshman year. Like, what's right. what's going on? Uh, but I mean, for two years, I didn't say a word to anybody. And then once I was able to dress out, I remember um, just dress out for pictures, not not the game, not the bench. Like I was so happy that I was uh, being like able to dress out for pictures my sophomore Mm. year. That everybody was like, "Oh, Gabe smiles!" Like Gabe saying something. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) But I was so bitter. Obviously, I I wasn't gonna be content or like slightly happy with not making a team. Uh, so, I mean, I was super, super, super angry kid at myself, not anybody else. I was just wanting to like somehow get better and it didn't help with my high school coach was his, the words that he said when I asked him, what can I do? He said, get better. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, typical right. coach. <laughs> Let me go see what, what that looks like. But yeah, I mean, I also, also at the time I played third base and I told the third base, you know, starting third base, and I was going to take a spot. I told the coach that too. <laughs> so, well, you know what? It, is that starting third baseman? Is he uh, a Phillies draft pick? He he had the potential. He definitely could have been. You know? Okay, good pitcher. Okay. Good All right, didn't go right for him. Well, it it's pretty tough. I mean, like. Some of the people that I play with, like I used to play with this guy who not naming names, but had a very high opinion of how good he was at baseball. And like, he's better than I am, but he was like, bro, like, honestly, if we got like D one players coming out here, like we, we could probably hang with them. I'm like, dude, I don't know about that chief. Like <laughs> we play at a pickup league. Like I'm pretty sure that any kind of like division college baseball is just a totally different game than what we're playing like i've never seen an 85 mile an hour curveball you know 
We're also just bad. We're just bad at baseball. Let's that's be straight a short up. version of what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a short version. So I, I do want to ask you about something. I'm, I'm changing gears here, but it yes. was something that I heard you mention on another podcast, and I thought it was really interesting. You talked a lot about, like you said, you were bitter and and uh-huh. not at anybody else, but just really, like I said, a big chip on your shoulder is a good way to put it. Uh-huh. And and then you said that you know you got drafted by the Padres. You guys didn't agree on on money and all that. And then you said eventually you just decided to turn it all over to God and then things sort of fell into place. Can you tell me about that? And about, I guess what sparked your, your, I I don't know if you, you know, how long you've been, you know, Christian and all that, but you know, what sparked the whole interest in it, I guess, for lack of a better term, and then how that affected your life and your career. So my family's Catholic, you know, I've always, I've always felt convicted, you know, I've always loved God. Mm-hmm. But I've never pursued Jesus the way that I, I switched it on the start of my FAU year, um, which was last fall. But uh, I mean, before that, I mean, I've, I've had I had multiple instances where I was, felt convicted and I wanted to change the way I was living. Um, I felt like the, the way that I was living wasn't going to lead to any. It was all temporary gratitude, as as any life outside of living for Jesus is, uh, because okay. in the end we have a Jesus shaped hole in your heart. You know, it's gonna, you know, you can't fit anything else that's not that. But um, basically, you know, I was the Jugo Player of the Year coming out of St. Pete, and I, I at the time leading up to that, I was all okay, I see it, I believe it, I'm going to make it happen. And all throughout, you know, since the fresh, my freshman year in high school to my sophomore year in college, um, that's what it was. I was, I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to see it. I'm going to visualize it every day. I'm going to dream about it. I'm going to work till everybody thinks I'm sick, like work till everybody thinks I'm crazy. Um, because obviously you can't, have things that you can't if you I don't know how to put this um, if you want things that other people can't have you got to do things other people won't do so right obviously anything that every, anybody would be like oh I'm not doing that it's crazy that's something mm-hmm. I would want to do right um, okay so but leading up to junior college I was so amped up on the 2021 draft like yeah I'm, i want eight hundred thousand. i deserve eight hundred thousand. my junior college my junior college coach brian beckman he sat me down he's like here are the numbers for junior college outfielders here are all the numbers for anybody that's ever gotten paid out of junior college the numbers don't lie they're right there two hundred thousand one hundred thousand three hundred thousand and i gave him back he printed me out a sheet and i gave it back to him i said don't group me with these guys i'm not I know I'm junior college now, but I know who I am, like what type of player I will be. So I don't want to see this. Like, don't put me in. Don't compare me to anybody. Um, And then going in, I would expect, I was expecting at least like a counter offer going into the draft. Uh, Not a single call. After the fourth round, I was gutted. I was, I mean, I was, I couldn't show it to my family, obviously. Uh I had to still eat dinner. Everybody was kind of looking at me, and they were like, "Oh my gosh! Like, what? What are we gonna? How do we act?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And I'm like, Dude, "Relax. Like, let's have dinner." Now I'm just gonna go to FAU, and I'm gonna prove all these guys 
you know, I'm going to turn their heads. And I remember leaving that and I was just like, not distraught, but I was, I was the same sophomore year kid that was angry again, Mm -hmm. you know, because things didn't go my way, you know, fairy tale exactly how I wanted them. Obviously manifestation is a thing, right? But this is what I'm saying. Nothing came into fruition until that final piece was faith, putting God first, right? Putting well, when you put him first, says in the Bible, when you put him first, everything else will be added on to you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not coincidence. Like everything in your life, people can say it's coincidental. But when you really have your eyes uncovered, everything that I did prior to, F- to the year FAU was leading me up to what I wanted and everything I prayed for. I just needed to put him first. And so that, um, from the start of F- my year at FAU, I committed my life to Christ and, you know, the rest is how it is. So is that something where maybe somebody sat you down and had a talk with you or you had a moment where you thought about it and you're like, all right, this is what I got to do if I want to be committed to God. Or did you sort of just over time realize, Hey, maybe it's not working out the way I wanted it to. Let me, let me, you know, try it a different way. Like, did you well, have one moment or was it a longer it was, period of time? It was, it was all snowballing. And obviously for like me personally, things that I do, things that happen, I don't forget them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they come in flashes. Uh, but when I would, it would, when I would be alone, it'd be the worst when I think about all the things that I'm doing and I know that I shouldn't be doing. And like before it's the same thing. Right. But I just, at one point I, I said, I was like, I had enough. Like something needs to change. I started reading my Bible more consistently, mm-hmm. reading more, uh, praying more. And, you know, it comes to a passage of John where it's talking about how, you know, you get baptized, um, you get baptized first to kind of the first baptism, right? When you're, um, you're baptized with water, but mm-hmm. then Jesus comes in and says, if you want to, if you want to come into heaven, the only way to into heaven is through me, you be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so I read that and I was like, I mean, this is what I got to do. Like mm-hmm. I be baptized, commit my life to, to Christ and live a, you know, be born again, live a new life and leave, you know, everything that I've wanted to leave behind. Right. Obviously it, that the, the human nature is, is you don't want to do that. You want to stick to the things that are comfortable right. and fun and pleasurable. Uh, and then I met my girlfriend who really helped me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was, I, I was honestly kind of jealous, very, <laughs> because she was so well, like at first I was like, everything she's doing is what I want to do. And I'm jealous of it. And, you know, she, she, I, to, to this day, I feel like she was sent from God. I know some people might be like, that's weird. Like, <laughs> but everything is not coincidental. It's everything right. leading up. Man, I, I know exactly what you mean. I know, I know we're here to talk about baseball and, and we All can right. get back to that in a minute, but sorry, you just like everything you said, I understood exactly what you're saying. Like my wife's dad is a pastor. And when I started dating her, I started going back to church and I even said, like, I got baptized two years ago, right before the pandemic started. And I even said that, like, when I got up there in front of everybody, I was like, you know, my whole life, I've been sort of like, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then later on, I can figure it out, you know, and I can start living the way that I should or, you know, apologize later, basically. But that's not really what it's about. It's about 
you know, doing the right thing now and tr- trying your best at least to do the right thing now. And I know exactly mm-hmm. how you feel, man, of being like, it's really difficult to get everything the way you want it on your own, you know, because I can't control everybody else. So yeah, I, I, I sorry, man, that's, that just was so interesting to me the way you said that, because I was like, I was doing that. Like I work at Starbucks and I was doing that. Like, on, like that's so no big deal, but you're doing that with playing in, in the, ML, like in MLB, which is a really big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. So sorry. I just thought, I just thought that was so relatable. And I just, I don't know. I just wanted to tell you that. That's that was super. That's what it's all about. I mean, whether I'm playing baseball or not, I've come to, realize that if i play for you know the lord i'm gonna still be playing baseball because i'm playing for him not playing for me or the Uh game which is worldly i'm gonna die and this the game's gonna keep going right right Uh, so that's what it's all about man that's that's so that's so interesting to me i so i know we should probably get back to baseball now but i thought that was really interesting how we're talking baseball okay (laughs) this is part of his baseball journey that's an excellent point you're right that's made you the person that you are today yeah. Um, one thing it, yeah. I heard that I, I did want to bring up, you know, this is kind of just an encapsulation of what we're talking about. It sounds like in all of these things, when you found that you came up short in something, you didn't want to be the person who was just like, well, I guess forever. Like you were the guy who was like, I'm going to do something about it because I know that I can. Yeah. And that's that sounds like what sets you aside from, you know, people who, like you said, the people who aren't willing to do those things. And as a result, they sort of settle. So, um, yeah. And, I, you know, it sounds like that is uh, that and your faith are which I think your faith is part of that, too, are the things that got you where you are today. I agree. Absolutely. There we go. All that's, right. that's so cool so a baseball yeah. question about your faith right our <laughs> friend sean spradling who's a, a, a wbc i called him the wbc news extraordinaire he wanted me to ask you have you ever run into any problems or maybe conflicts or even just uncomfortableness in general about you know your faith or religion in you know the clubhouse or with the coach or something like that oh yeah it's it's everywhere i mean the ruler of the world is not jesus the ruler of the world is you know the devil so it's me. It's my job as a follower to help other people kind of see that, you know. Mm-hmm. And just as I was helped by my girlfriend, I can help my teammates or fans or in the way that I live. It's not gonna be easy. Like being followed press is not easy whatsoever. But it's those moments that make you a better person, set you aside, you know, enables you to help other people and that helps me create stronger, better relationships, you know, and be more help to my teammates. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I imagine that this might be, uh, you know, I wanted to add this onto the question that I imagine that there, there's a lot more temptation, the higher up you get, you know, cause I mean, even like, like I just play men's league and like, you know, if, if you go around just being like the perfect Christian, you're going to get some side eyes from people, people like, Hey man, you want to do this and that, you know, you want to go to the strip club or whatever. And if they say no, they're like, all right, dude, all right, weirdo. So, you know, and and again, you know, I just play in in dumb leagues that are in the area. So I imagine that the higher up you get, the, 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 the more you have to be committed to, to fight those things. If they're, you know, if you don't want to do them, which, you know, yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, it's always there, and I'm not going to say that I, I'm, I am definitely not the perfect Christian, you know, right. whatsoever, and no one no one is, right? No one mm-hmm. is. Yeah, that's no matter how other people, like, peg them to be the perfect Christian, 
everybody struggles with that. But um, I mean, it helped helped me the fact that I wasn't a very sociable person. I I kind of stayed away from people growing mm-hmm. up and throughout high school, throughout college. My girlfriend is so very outgoing and she's like let's go party <laughs> line dance let's go i want to have fun with you and my friends and i'm like i just want to relax recover, oh, I know that feeling. yeah day. yeah yeah you want to sit inside and play the show right yeah, yeah. play the show and then go and get some batting practice and oh dude <laughs> how often wanna... this, this is a stupid question but because i love hitting you know the uh, for most of my life the only thing i really liked about baseball was hitting you know as i got older i found an appreciation for other things like now i'm a catcher so now i kind of care about pitching too a little bit but like like how often do you take batting practice and you know do you do it for fun or do you have to be in there like working on stuff all the time um i know pro like now that i've met other pro ball players um me i'm addicted to hitting once i i, I hit i can't stop mm-hmm. like it's, it's a pain for me to stop on a bad rep or like oh yeah if i hit a ball really hard but the ball's straight to the back of the net other another dude might be like i that's it i'm done for the day i hit a barrel mm-hmm. me i'm seeing that ball going straight and not over the fence so for me in my head i'm like no nah, i need to, i can't end on that Right, and then I end up hitting two more rounds and a whole bucket, and everybody's like, "Oh, Johnny, whole bucket over here." <laughs> yeah, that's no, good for you, man. And that's that's the work ethic it takes. I, yeah. I, we we interviewed Paul Convoy on the show, who I think you're familiar with. He's the uh, president of Baseball Scotland, and that's what he said. He was like, "Dude, he outworks everybody." And I was like, and I like, you hear that about everybody. It's kind of like it's spring training when they're like, "He's in the best shape of his life." Like, it's just what you say. But yeah, like that, that's, that's exactly what it sounds like, man. Like you just have this right. crazy work ethic that I, I've never had. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, I, I've been Johnny Holbucket ever, you know, not that name specifically, but I, okay. I'm the guy at Victus. We have a batting cage and we're allowed to use it whenever we want. And I will go in there and just hit off the tee. The difference is that I'm not like, you know, getting Good. all that much better. But like, yeah, I got like calluses all over my hands and I'm torn off at work and stuff. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I've, it is hard to stop. I definitely had to dial it down from high school and college because, I mean, everybody told me leading up, like, you're going to swing yourself into an injury. Like, stop hitting so much. Right. In high school, I definitely couldn't afford to not hit that much because I wasn't, you know, I was, I needed to hit my way to where I wanted to be because. You know, playing center right. field was Connor Scott, who was drafted 13 overall. He didn't hit a right. single day extra with mm-hmm. me because he didn't need to. And for me, I was like, if I just do extra to catch up, I'm going to get to that point. Right. And and I got to a point where I, I in high school, I would bleed to my – sorry, I would hit to my hands blood, and like there was blood on my bat. And since <laughs> I couldn't stop on a ref that I didn't like, I would hit, and I saw the blood on that, I was like, that's pretty cool. Let me finish on it. That I like. Right. But now, obviously, we're playing 162 games in the majors and 100 and whatever in the in minor leagues. I need. I can't hit that much. In right. Yeah. I have to stick to. Obviously, if I want more, I can't have more. But I can't go overboard in the first couple ten games. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I'm kind of learning to get navigate how much I can hit and how much I should or, you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. 
And I don't know if this is a professional baseball problem, but like the people I play with and me, myself, I've noticed when I hit a lot and I start to get tired, I start accidentally practicing bad mechanics. Yeah. And then I go in like, then I get into a slump and I'm like, damn it, what's, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> and then I, I'll realize like, oh, shoot, I'm doing this stuff that starts to happen when I get tired. And then I'm hitting when I'm tired and I'm practicing that. I don't know if that's a thing that happens to pro players since, you know, yes. they're in better shape than I am, but, you know. No, it definitely, it definitely is. And my problem is that my my ego won't let me admit that I'm tired. So I'm like, no, man, I'm not tired. I got to get this right. <laughs> right. And then in reality, like, my body's going to yeah. take a break so that we can do this right. Right. Yeah, and meanwhile, right. you're like, pain is just weakness <laughs> leaving the body. <laughs> so so I do want to ask you about uh, the WBC, right? We were, we were just talking about Sean Spradling and his World Baseball Classic acumen. I'll just be straight with you. Are you going to be playing in the World Baseball Classic, or are you interested? Yeah, so since my I have a torn labor in my shoulder, I'm not allowed to play the field because I haven't played a single game at uh, in pro ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, understandably, I, honestly, when I first heard that, I was like, that's a load of crap. I want to play the field. Right. But obviously, it, it's smart to – not play the field until I get some games in pro ball, but I will be DHing if you know the team needs me. Okay. I will be. Um, I did get the green light to DH. Okay, and that's so that's what hit. you love to do, right? <laughs> right, you get to hit. Yeah. So are you locked in? Like you're on the roster, you're good to go, or are they still uh, Drew, like they're gonna let you know? Drew told me that MLB has to ask for permission for the Phillies, and then once the Phillies say yes, then. Uh, but I think Drew did tell me that I'm on that uh, like 50 man. Or okay. The okay. Yeah, yeah, the 50 man prolific. So would you use the word committed to describe your <laughs> status? Well, yeah, I've been, I told my my family that I'm I'm going. I'm in. I mean, I okay. I'm on a face Kershaw, man. I'd yeah. Go oppo. Oh, that's so cool, man! I can't. So so obviously You're gonna for hang Team out with GB, Jazz. I <laughs> yeah yeah you yeah Jazz Chisholm's gonna be playing right. I I didn't know. Oh, well, that's all right. There you go. You <laughs> so heard you it here seen, first. You haven't seen a roster or anything? You're just no, – I, I, I didn't know they were out. Um, okay. My understanding is every team has theirs. Like They had to submit it, but they don't have to like publicize it. So I think it's just what players say, yeah, I'm in. So like I think Jazz did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, now you just did. Something Sean asked us to bring up, which, you know, we, we've – have already established you have interest in playing for uh for the British team. You're probably eligible for Britain, the US and Venezuela, right? That is what not Venezuela because I don't have even I, I don't know if it's, they do it the same way as America like if you have American parents you, you get American citizenship. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works, but I could probably maybe get away into the Venezuelan team if you know, if it works that way, because my yeah. whole family's Venezuelan. Is there a team that you feel a particular affinity for? Like, is that Great Britain, or is it just you know whatever happens, happens? Uh, for me, it's you know even down to the decision for where I'm going to go to college is who's gonna who's who wants me and who do I got? Like, if I have to grovel to get on the team, I'm not going there. You know, so right, right. Yeah, you know, Team Great Britain's the first team I played for, so um. That team very burns my team. Cool. Right. Well, I and they want of... you, man. They want you. Like you're mm-hmm. you're you're gonna be a star. I'm saying it. Yeah. And uh yeah, and, and they're lucky to have you, man. And that's a big bat to slot in the lineup, even if at DH, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. That would be cool. That would be cool though to to be able to represent all three, if not maybe two out of three. Yeah. Uh, just because I share the same, you know, kind of patriarch with right. all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's super cool, man. So speaking of the WBC and of Team Great Britain, you know, what are your thoughts on, I guess, just the homegrown, you know, British program and all? I know they use a lot of foreign nationals to round out their team and a lot of Bahamian players. What do you think of the state of the game in not just Scotland, but the UK as a whole? Uh, it has definitely surprised me. Um, just because I grew up, obviously I didn't grow up in England or any you know, any spots where baseball was kind of, kind of big at the time where I was playing. Um, like going off of what I experienced there, I didn't expect people to be so, you know, into the sport as they are now. So definitely surprised me, uh, for the better. Um, and also I don't know how many Scottish, true Scottish players are. Uh, around or you know in the system uh it'd be cool you know to meet one yeah Uh, but i know all my friends you know as i mentioned they all made fun of me for playing baseball right Right. they're all into like football and stuff right (laughs) yeah but it was funny it was fun now i hope i i hope you hit up your friends and remind them that it's actually called soccer (laughs) <laughs> no, I, no i don't agree i don't agree you don't agree <laughs> i just like that in the world base or the in the world cup that the american fans chant it's called soccer <laughs> i'm a huge fan of that so so speaking of scotland and the uk you know it obviously if there are going to be more scottish players you would be an inspiration to them right there's not a lot of scottish players like you said and and you've made it you know this far at least and you're going to go a lot further what advice would you have for other players from scotland or you know the united kingdom as a whole um if you can move if you're in high school you have more advantage if you want to move to america if you really want to play pro ball because america i mean florida um I mean, obviously, you don't have to make your team, your high school team. You don't have to go D1, D2 uh, after high school. You go to junior college. And if you're good, you you like if you you just put the work in, you know, work yourself mm-hmm. to being good enough where a scout takes a chance on you. All it takes is one scout. Right. Uh, you know, and so um, be exposed to higher competition um, when right. you're when you meet a pitcher, meet a hitter who is simply just, you know, more advanced at the time. Remember how, what they did against you. Remember what you did against them, you know, replay that moment. And honestly, like kind of like a, um, like a Rocky, you know, you, you lost one match and then you go train for it, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it all goes down to how, how much perseverance do you have? How bad do you want it? Because it doesn't end until you win, right? If you really want it, you're going to – you better be able to say, I did everything I could if you don't get the opportunity to play. You know? Uh-huh. Right. That's where it starts. How bad do you want it? How how far are you willing to go uh, in order to get that? But definitely be exposed to elite if not, you know, at least better competition, because if you're a player that's killing it in Ohio, uh, you come down to Florida as a high, high school kid, and all of a sudden you got a bunch of prospects in Florida because baseball Florida is, is um, it's very, like, 
flourished. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> they can play all year round there, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Advanced. Yeah. Right. Like you won't get better unless you play against you know the best at your age or the best at, mm. at age yeah. above you. One of the things I wanted to ask, and this is just a personal thing, I'm a little bit of like a a you know a distance guy. I love home runs more than like anything else. Do you know what the furthest you've ever hit a ball is? Uh, I wish I did have that like SEC track man stuff because mm-hmm. I've hit some balls that are that went pretty far that I would like to know. Um, right. I can tell you that like the hardest ball I've ever hit recorded that I've seen with my eyes was 118. It was my last hit in college. Well, that's um, that's a little bit of a comment, so you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a nuke, man. That that went. That was just a line drive to right that just kind of stayed, and I was surprised the kid didn't catch it. But I guess he just backed off, and it just kind of right. Rode. Like if it was hit with some angle, like some launch angle, yeah, I would I would pay to. Yeah, that's like that's like four fifty plus, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, my buddy Jack Caglione, uh went to high school with him. He's at Florida. He hit one at one eighteen. With the right launch angle, like it went 480. So, Ooh. Yeah. oh man, Dude, I, I work with the guy who he's the exit velo guy at work. He played in like internet or he played in Australia and stuff, and he he beats the pros who come in, and he hits it like 108 or so. And I'm like, dude, those are missiles. Like those are <laughs> long gone if we're not in the cage. Like we you had a home run it. derby at work, and he hit more home runs than everybody else combined. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I love home runs. You know, I, I know that there's a lot of people who are like, you know, oh, dude, home runs ruin the game. I disagree. Hard disagree. Well, no, they definitely don't ruin the game. Like, I mean, you got the juice ball incident uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. I mean, that's for the viewers. You know? The shock, yep. like the whole pitching clock is to speed up the game. Now you got to. Now you get chat like challenge pitches in minor leagues where you don't agree with a, a pitch, maybe a strike three call. You go here, challenge the call. It right. goes up on the uh, on the big screen and it says the uh, the system says ball or strike. Okay. I mean, that just gives – oh, well, the pitcher can do it too, but that gives a batter more kind of, you know, more uh, room for – to hit more homers, I guess. All right. I'm guessing you don't have to expand the zone as much with that and i don't know how big the impact would be but like on two strikes a lot of the time you get something close you're like i can't let that go but yeah um maybe i mean i haven't played with that but i will i will i will definitely be using my challenges because uh my i mean sometimes i pick up some pitches that are called strike and I'm like, there's no shot. That's just right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've all been there. We, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah um, dude. When we were watching the World Series, uh, there was a lot of us being like, "Dude, are you serious?" Yeah. You know? And then there was a lot, like you know, where the Phillies got a call, and we're like, "Nope, no, it was great." Umps, they never missed yeah. anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, are you a Phillies fan now? I- I'm assuming so oh, since absolutely. you got drafted. Absolutely. Yeah. Who were you a fan of growing up? Hey man, I <laughs> I'm a film now. I, yeah, I was waiting. I've been waiting all this time to uh, be drafted to know which team I root for. But there you go. Uh, Fair enough. In high school, I de- I was an Astros fan before, which was funny. 
Uh, yeah. wow. I did want the Phillies to beat him, though. I did want the Phillies to beat him, if that counts. Well, all right. So, so when it came down means... to it, you did the right thing. What yeah, that no, means, I... though, is that this year in the World Series, you had nothing to lose. <laughs> That's a good point. Man. You're a man of integrity, it sounds like, because when it came down to it, you did the right thing, and you, yeah. and you rooted for the Phillies. Exactly. So what's, yeah. your, what's your jersey number? If you can pick, what's your jersey number going to be when you make the big leagues? Nine. Nine? Why? Why? Um... Well, I was born on March 3rd, so 0303, and born 2001. Two plus one is three. Three, three, three is nine. Okay. That's all together. Okay. And it's just kind of, I don't know. I Maybe I'm 33. Maybe I changed numbers. My dad was summer 54. Okay. okay. Well, it also comes down to you get up there, and this guy's got that number, and this number's retired. So sometimes right. you don't always get your pick, right? But Yeah. Okay. It will matter. Yeah, well, yeah, right. As long as you're a big leaguer, right? Right, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Dude, I, I made the bigs, but I couldn't get the number I wanted. So was it really worth it? Yeah, I retired because <laughs> I couldn't get the number I wanted. So so I do want to ask, we were talking about your your high school team and and you said that your high school coach told, gave you the best advice of, of get better. What are some of the things that, you know, coaches have taught you along the way that you think you could impart to to younger players? Um. So my coaches, the order went was Dennis Braun who was really big on mental toughness. I mean, you know, that, that man is old school as it gets. Uh, he was huge in mental toughness. Um, and he tells all his players, like, the cage is here. Like, you guys can't hit extra. You do realize that. And then, so, and as that coach would always be tough on you just simply because of mental toughness. I know I said that a lot, but um, right. that's You're key. Right. The, 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 as a hitter, especially pitchers, they can get away with it a little bit more. They can, you know, pitch a little bit more amped up. As a hitter, you got to be mentally tough because you're going to strike out a whole bunch that you may not like. That you're gonna, you know, you're gonna fail seven out of ten times. You hit yeah, if you're lucky, you hit three hundred. I mean, that's not. I mean, you take any other sport, that's not success. You know, so, um, but that's him. Um, my junior college coach, he was more of, uh, uh, like, don't get satisfied. I would say that's uh, pretty, it's, it goes well with how he, he, he and I butted heads a lot, but I, I'm very grateful that I had him as a coach because, you know, he'd always keep you honest, you know, um, uh, you did something good. No, you didn't No, you could have done that better. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're happy for that. Like, don't get satisfied. And yeah. my coach at FAU, I mean. Be a better, be a better person than you are a player. Integrity. Uh, when, when, when you think no one's watching, you're wrong. People are always watching. Whether it be your teammates, so don't go in the dugout in an inner squad with no scouts around and smash your helmet because you wouldn't do that if a bunch of scouts were sitting in the stands, right? So, um, be a better person than you are a player off mm-hmm. the field because it correlates off the field. You have keep everything off the field clean. On the field, it's going to be a s- smooth ride. It sounds like you uh, you have really incorporated all of those things into your your personal game. Because it sounds like that was almost like a checklist of all the things that we talked about while talking yeah. about you know how you approach the game. So, well, and I noticed you said every coach. I mean, maybe not every single coach you've had in your life, but you were like, at this school, I learned this, and with this guy, I learned this. I think that's really interesting. It sounds like you're a person that takes advice really well and incorporates that into your life, which I know a lot of athletes have big egos and stuff, and that comes with the territory. 
it sounds like you're really good at listening to people, which is a really good skill. It's funny you say that because I'm good at listening after I'm done talking. So it's like at the time <laughs> I might be stubborn. I might yeah. be extremely stubborn, but I'm going to take that home and I'm going to sit on it and I'm going to think about it. And if I am wrong, I'm definitely going to change. Okay. But I am a stubborn, very stubborn person. And it's okay to be stubborn or else I would have, you know, I would have taken the deal with the Padres where I, you know, I, I stuck with what I what I first decided to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, no, I got to suffer the consequences for me sticking to 800,000. If I pick something else to that, I have no integrity. Who wants a player that, you know, does that? Um, oh, yeah, so. you don't want to settle. Yeah. So that's something I wanted to ask you about really fast. And if you don't want to get into it, that's fine. But when you said, you know, you want to stick to your guns, was that because of the money you had things you wanted to do with that? Or was it more about the principle of, I think this is what I'm worth and I'm going to make sure that I get it. Yeah. Because take a guy who says, no, man, I want this. No, man, I want this. No, I want this. And then he comes up at at your door knocking like hours later. He's like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Like he just denied. No, man, I'm not giving you this. Like you denied me three times. Right. Like, you know, there's no. You gotta suffer. Like you decide. This is what you want to do. Don't stray from it. You gotta either suffer the consequences of your actions, or everybody's gonna, you know, look not look down on you, but they're gonna look different of you. You know, you gotta be right. transparent. Stick to who you are. Know what you want, and people are, you know, gonna look at you for who you are. Right. And people, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, people do respect it when you know what you want and you're like, listen, you know, this is what I want and I know that I'm worth it. So take it or leave it. I mean, that's like, that's almost like career advice 101. If you go on like Mm -hmm. any sort of like website and you're like, okay, how do I do a job interview? Like they almost all say that. So, you know, knowing what you're worth and what you want works for a lot of people. So, yeah. And, I know it sounds super critical, but you, you you know you take some of the players that were drafted out of high school in the first round, and they turned down all this bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's hypocritical, and this it's a, on a lower scale for me than it is you know high school who has age, you know, the opportunity to get a bunch of years in pro ball with a lot of money that you know will hold you off till you get to the big leagues. More than enough, uh, some to set set up for life. But, um, you know, when I was drafted with the Phillies, um, I still didn't get that 800 that I asked for in the Padres, right? But it's not about what you want. It's about what you need, you know. I asked right. the Lord, hey, whatever I'm getting is what I need. I know that I asked for 800 last year. I'm not going to expect anything more because what I get is what I need. But in that instance, 800 is what I said. And I was offered two, three hundred. I'm like, no, I know all this work that I put in. I know that I can get closer to that. It's worth me going to FAU. You know, it's a a, a, a discretion. No, that and, that is great advice, man. And I know you're not here to listen about me, and no, nobody is. But I know exactly <laughs> well, I how you feel. Yeah, he's a nice guy, so he is. But no, I know exactly how you feel. Like when my dad died, I got a life insurance payout, and it was two hundred grand. And I at first 
it was a little complicated, but I thought it was going to be double that. And I was a little bummed and I was like, man, I could add 400 grand. And then I like sat down and I was like, all right, that doesn't change this. I have 200 grand. I bought a house. I put the rest in the bank. And now like my life's great, man. It's awesome. And now like, I don't look back and be like, well, I could have had 200 more grand. I was like, everybody else my age has a bunch of student loans and works the same job as me. You know what I mean? And I have a paid off yeah. house. So I'm, I'm in good shape, you know? So it's that, that's, that's such a good way to look at it, man. You sound very grateful even though you didn't get satisfied mm -hmm. or complacent like you said you seem like you have a very good outlook on life yeah no i mean everything i've got is not by any means anything that i earned it's everything that's been given to me by the lord you know mm -hmm. like everything that i have is not like i didn't plan any of this everything is not coincidental you know like yeah from mm -hmm. point a to point b everything has been i've been provided for and how can I not be grateful, you know, to him when I look at all the things he's given me, all the things that he's done for me. Right. Uh, it's been yeah. Good. I feel exactly the same way. I, I We've kept you for long enough. I have one more question from Sean. Well, it's sort of two, but I'm going to make him one. Right. Um, he wants to know, we're going back to the WBC here. Have you been able to play for either of Great Britain's coaches, you know, the former coach and the new coach, Liam Carroll and Drew Spencer? Um, have you been able to play for both of those guys and what players are you looking forward to playing with on team Great Britain? Uh, I play, I played for Drew Spencer. Um, and I know when I went over to Italy, um, which by the way, I played terrible. I did those guys mm -hmm. disservice by playing on their team. <laughs> uh, um, but I played, you know, Marcelino, um, and Drew Spencer, but, um, and it's going to sound bad. I'm terrible at names, but I definitely recognize them by face. Uh, <laughs> missing a couple coaches. Right. Uh, You're fine. Yeah, we've they know Crosby. you care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex Crosby. Um, I don't know exactly who from that team. It, like, if anybody from that team in Italy shows up uh, to the WBC, I'm, I'll be overjoyed to see their face. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. One name I want to give you real fast, and I don't know if you know this guy, Harry Ford, the guy, the Mariners' top pick. He's, he was uh, a, is he the catcher? Yeah, he's yeah, the number he's one prospect. He he killed it in the qualifiers. Do you know him at all? I don't. I do not know him. But that's that's good. okay. That's I just good. wanted to ask. Well, that's cool, maybe, man. It sounds maybe like you'll get to super, know. Yeah, no, that sounds like it's going to be a super exciting team. Um, yeah. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? Um, I mean, who do you guys got in the WBC? So we did a whole episode on this. You can yes, go back and did. listen to it if you, for some reason, care about our opinions. Right. Um, who who do we have winning the whole thing? I think you got to go with the U.S. No, wrong yeah. I don't think they'll get out of the pool. You know, Team Great Britain. Yeah. <laughs> well, will two will two teams make it out of the pool? Right. <laughs> you guys would be in the pool with the Czech Republic, who I thought was wonderful in the in the qualifiers. They beat Spain, who. They, Spain up. was the heavy favorite. Game one is that not against Team US? With Great Britain? Yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. Uh, am I? Hold on. Let's look at the pool. Where are we at here? Pool C. Oh shoot! Yeah, you get. Yep. Yeah, you guys are Do in the you, same pool as you the US. You kick off your tournament against the US. Yeah. Oh yeah, baby. Okay. I've, I've been yeah. looking for. I'm looking forward to that. I've been yeah. visualizing. Yeah, That's do you know any of the guys on the U.S. team? Nah, I heard they're good. I, I don't know. 
You're just looking forward to launching nukes off of Kershaw yeah, and yeah. Michaelis and yeah. Nestor Cortez. Yeah, I don't know any of those guys, but they'll know. Nah. Yeah, <laughs> they'll, they'll know, know you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they'll, they'll know you. That's, that's <laughs> one. That's another thing. Um, for any player that's you know my age or younger, I know that playing high school and college, you you face some prospects on the mountain, and you got your friends saying, "Oh man, that guy's throwing cheese. That guy's so gross." Don't listen to those guys. Like everybody you play. Nah, man, he's trash. You go up there and smack him. Because the first guy that barrels that prospect, the guy behind him is like, oh, man, he did it. I'm going to go up there and hit him. And then he hits, and then he hits. But if everybody's like, man, this team is good, like, you already lost the game, especially if they're a lot better than you are. You got to kind of look down on that big, like, mm-hmm. good team to yeah. even give yourself a chance. So, Yeah, the way yeah. that – it's not the same thing at all, as I've said many times. The way that I always approach it when we played a better team, like uh, my my t- last team that I played on, we played against a team of like Dominican guys who were all like way better than we were, and we ended up winning. Long story short, but like I was the manager of the team at the time, and I was like, guys, we listen. We do know these guys are really good. We have to look at it like, yeah, this is a fun, cool challenge, not like oh, they're just gonna kick our asses. So what are we even here for? You know, like when the guys right. up there, when they got the 19 year old throwing like 85 and none of us have ever seen that before. It's like, well, you know, dude, listen, you can hit 85. It's not impossible. A lot of people do it. A lot of people consider it easy. So let's just go up there and, you know, it's a challenge for us. And I think that I deserve 100 percent of the credit for us winning. But that's a separate matter. But I'll we, give it we to you. yeah, we did beat this other team and I don't play <laughs> for that team anymore. The team I play for now, actually, as I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast, is like 80% Venezuelan guys. So yeah. um, so Venezuela is my uh, my dark horse pick for the, the World Baseball Classic. I think that they're going to go far. And I have posted on Twitter a couple of times that I'm, I'm going to die on this Venezuela hill. Right. I think they have a pretty good chance to win the whole thing or at least be in the finals. They I think they get... can finish second behind Team GB. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, so one uh, thing, this just popped into my head, but can I ask you a random question? Can I put you on the spot is really what yeah, I'm asking. Yeah. So you talk, you've been talking a lot about how you – basically you play with a chip on your shoulder is what it sounds like, and you, and you like to you know challenge yourself and use that kind of thing. I, I'm looking at your MLB.com scouting grades, right? Mm-hmm. Don't get me started on that, man. I'm, 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 getting, getting, you, I'm getting you started, man. They gave I'm you a 30 some games run. in center field. They're going to be like, oh, man, if this guy's got 30 grade run in field, it must be 70. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so how does that – like, how does that make you feel? Is it like Madden, like how those guys go on Twitter and put them on blast? <laughs> like when you get well, these ratings, do you, what do you do? Just say, no way, I'm going to prove them wrong? Well, I, I uh, take out my – my notes and i write down those names that wrote those things and then i go play and i show them that they're wrong you know yeah okay so so when i so when i put this up when i put a graphic up what should i edit it to 50 grade run 60 grade run 80 grade run higher than a 30 i tell you that okay okay because uh, they're saying here that you're gonna hate your way to the big leagues it sounds like you you think well, yeah, if you don't hit you're going not gonna play you know right yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah um i can tell you that 30 grade i'm tell me a 30 grade run me yeah <laughs> no dude no, we're, I'm like a, we're ten, like a I'm zero a, grade run i'm a 10 grade a 30 grade runner how about i don't know yadi hair molina <laughs> like that's what i think of exactly yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so so all right so how many how many steals do you think you'll have at the major league level 10 Man. a year i don't know I'd, I'd rather trot them than run them but 
Yes, um, exactly. Oh, I like this Same. Guy. Same. <laughs> Do, you got no right steals, <laughs> no bunts. I'm not saying I'm a blazing speed guy because I'm not. But a thirty grade run is outrageous. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's. You know, you're not a black I hole. Little, right I can move from my size. You know? yeah. yeah, dude, we've taken up enough of your nights. Two days before Christmas, you got you got a girlfriend to hang out with. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to say thanks so much for coming on the show, man. This has been a yes, blast. Where you. can where can people find you and follow you? Uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I don't Citizens know. Bank Park, baby. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Where are you going to be playing this? Uh, you know, after the World Baseball Classic, what what league are you going to be playing? Oh, man, I don't know. I I got to play. I got to play well to see how far they'll uh, they'll start me. Um, okay. I'm sure they'll send me either low A or high A. Those are Clearwater, okay. Jersey Shore. Hey, uh, if you're at Jersey Shore, I'll show up. I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. I live like an hour yeah, away. Let me, yeah, let me know if I get you in there. Yeah. All right, deal, man. That sounds yeah. like a blast. All right, yeah. so what's your handle? Real, f- I, I talked over you. What was your handle on Twitter and everything? Uh, Instagram is Gabriel underscore Rincones, J- uh, Jr. And uh, Twitter is Gabe Rincones. All cool. right, cool, man. This has been an absolute blast. Thanks for coming yes. on. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can have you on after the World Baseball Classic and you tell us whether, whether or not you liked it. Yeah, tell us about it, you know. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, thanks so much for everything, man. Merry Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Gabriel, thanks again for coming on the show. We had an absolute blast. And hopefully you'll be nice enough to come on again and talk about your experience in the World Baseball Classic. But that was that was so much fun, Tom. I really enjoyed it. And what a what a nice, genuine guy. I just want that to be out there because a lot of times we talk about athletes and their play on the field. Man, Gabriel Rincones could wash out tomorrow. He's not gonna, but if he washed mm-hmm. out tomorrow, he'd still be like my favorite player in the world. Yeah, like you know, there's a lot of talk, and you know, some of this is true, but there's a lot of talk about like never meet your heroes. He he's the kind of guy where like if he's your personal hero and you meet him, it you're not gonna be disappointed. Great guy. That's absolutely right. And he doesn't know me and I have no audience. I just DM'd him on Twitter and he was like, let's do it, man. So yeah, he's man. What a nice guy. I, I'm so glad we got to have Gabriel on the show and, and I can't wait to do it again. This, this has been so much fun. And, and thank you for listening to the baseball podcast.